Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans. It's Joe back in the pilot seat. We are sitting at uh, number 119, chapter 119 of the Rule of Galaxy podcast. And while we, again, have some of our regular co-hosts who do an excellent job, tonight we have another special guest, and we'll, we'll meet up with her here in a moment. But uh, as always, you can follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter. Email us, Rule the Galaxy at RuleTheGalaxySW at gmail.com. Or just rule the galaxy on Facebook and YouTube. And so my computer and my microphone doesn't mess up all night. I'm going to try to give this off to our co-hosts as much as possible. And I will start with my good cousin, who I spent some time with just recently at a birthday party, Alfie Molinero. Alfie, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty good, Joe. Uh, just like everybody else in the country, we're, the household's getting over being sick the past couple of days. So, but feeling a lot better, ready to talk about this episode. You got it. Has Azalea stopped opening birthday presents yet? Oh yeah. She ripped right through those. <laughs> she had a, she had like a garage full. There was more birthday presents than I've seen in a long time at that birthday party. So I'm sure she's excited. Hopefully my, my Padme Amidala is somewhere in a treasured spot right now. So it is, it's right on the, right on her toy shelf. There we go. There we you really go. Liked. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, and I bought that at a flea market, a very sketchy flea market, but gosh, they have such great Star Wars stuff. So anyway, they do have great Star Wars stuff. They do. I'm thinking about going back and getting those Wookiees from uh, the Rebels set that I found there. I've never seen them before, but that's another story for another time. Um, D-Doc in his Philly uh, Eagles gear tonight, getting ready for the playoffs. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. I think this might be actually the first uh, episode. I'm not wearing a star Wars shirt on here, but it's playoff week. So this is uh this is one of my good luck sweatshirts. So I, I don't know, just naturally throw it on. You got your Steelers hat on it's yep. playoff week. It's hard to get it off your mind, honestly. Nope. So every day, every day, something, something Steelers at my house every day is, is going on. So um, I just had the pleasure of watching Ted Lasso for the second time, me and my wife love that show. And we said, let's do it again. And I kept watching the guys in the bar and I was like, honey, that's actually our family right there, except it's the Steelers instead of AFC Richmond. So uh, I feel you with the love for the Eagles. So glad to have you with us and I'm glad you're trying to get an emoji from Apple with a redheaded person on it. I think that would be great. I love the emoji of the guy going like this and yes. he has black hair. It doesn't look like me. Uh, I, they have the one emoji of a ginger with a mustache kind of looks like me, but I, I just want to see ginger across the board. Give, give me a shot with that. We need representation. <laughs> yes. Um, hey, you know what? We're sitting here uh, just chitter chattering between old friends, but we have got one of our special guests who actually looking at the last two years worth of shows, the show that she did with us about Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan and saying that Obi-Wan didn't allow Anakin to kill him and um, was our fourth overall most listened to show in the history of Rule of the Galaxy. So I think she hit on some great topics that night. Uh, but I'm speaking of uh, Miss Jessica Johnson, the Duchess of Darksaber Light or just at Darksaber Light on Twitter. Jessica, so glad to have you back. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to come and join you, you fellas. Well, I, I think you saw on Twitter today, our good friend, Rural Farm Boy, had a comment for you. And his comment was plain and simple. 
I want her show back. I miss her show. So it made me feel good that he was missing your show and wanting to hear you talk more about Star Wars. That's right. That was such a nice little comment. And and uh, I do hope that the podcast can come back soon. It's something that I was hoping to have up once uh, Boba Fett started uh, airing. And now, right now, I've been dealing with some technical issues with the software and stuff like that, which I didn't get into podcasting to deal with that kind of stuff. So every time something like that happens, I'm like, why, why do I even do this? 100% agree. I actually, we run this show on a wing and a prayer with bubble gum and shoestrings and paper clips. And, um, and then when I hear something wrong, I, I was actually texting with DDoc going, I heard this in last week's show and it's really bothering me. And, but I didn't go out and spend a ton of money because I'm just not that way, but I want to, I want to go buy a whole new system. So I completely understand where you're coming from. So no worries. And we all want to be experts and perfectionists at this. It's just, it's just a bunch of people having fun talking Star Wars though, right? Um, That's right. Anything new going on with you before we start into all of our crazy topics tonight? I don't think anything new has happened in the last two years. (laughs) (laughs) getting over being sick thankfully it wasn't covid but that's that's about it i i did i did notice and i mentioned to you on twitter i love the new book cover which which episode of the high republic was that and how many copies do you have just with different covers and different formats well it's it's not as crazy as it could be (laughs) it's the but uh the the most recent adult novel came out for phase one. And, uh, so that was an emotional ride. Um, and then my, the one that I got in was book two, the adult novel book two, which is the rising storm, which I just Mm -hmm. think the cover is so pretty and, uh, some of my favorite characters. So I figured that was something that I could uh, treat myself to after the holidays. Well, I, I loved it. And I love the copy that you showed and the cover and everything like that. Actually, I have a, a High Republic um, news item for you here in a moment. But before we get into that, um, I know we're going to talk about Book of Boba Fett, episode three, uh, which is The Streets of Mos Espa, which, believe me, I think we all saw the ups and downs of people on Twitter talking about this episode. But we'll, we'll hit all that here in a moment. Um, the first, I have a few just quick news items that caught my eye, and I wanted to bring them up real quick. I saw something the other day, and, and I tried to put more, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, notoriety and tell people who, you know, give credit to who put these up. But you know what, daggone it, I'm just reading news items real quick, and sometimes I forget. But on Yahoo News, um, it's got an article about how Book of Boba Fett is not catching on as quickly as a Mandalorian. And um, I thought that was kind of a bummer of an article. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the Mandalorian had the the ease of being something brand new, completely out there on its own. And you bring in Grogu, and I think it made it to where it just caught a lot of people's attention different than the hardcore fans who are more possibly into Book of Boba Fett. You guys have any thoughts on that topic? Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, um, I mean, I've noticed it because I have friends who are definitely Star Wars fans, and I actually think they're finally going to start listening to our podcast because there's a show going on and they're watching the show and everything. But I do feel like I'm talking them off the ledge a little bit with Book of Boba Fett where they're just like, I'm waiting for something to happen and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you got to let this story build. And it was funny because my one buddy said to me, he's like, I feel like you like this better than The Mandalorian. I'm like, 
I'm like, relax. I said, it's just the Mandalorian was so new and exciting and they hit you with that banger in the first episode of Grogu. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with this? Right. And I feel like people just need to have the patience to let this story grow and tell their story. Agreed. Jessica or Alfie? I'd say that it doesn't even really have to be predicated on waiting for the story to grow. This is the story that they're telling. And I think that people come in with bigger expectations. Boba Fett's a character who's 40 years old and there's been a lot of time spent exploring this character, exploring the story. And even more than that, I think that the biggest detriment to franchises nowadays is fandom fandom for better and worse because something new comes out and everybody's excited but nobody has any expectations and then they get on the internet and then they speculate and they come up with all of their fan theories and they say i i hope that this happens i can't wait to see this person or this character and then what's funny is that if they do play into lots of cameos and stuff like that people criticize that as fan service and if they go all out with some really big plot line, then, you know, they say that, oh, they're, they're, you know, really putting too much effort into just making it all about the action. I think that the biggest thing is that when people come to these TV shows, they need to recognize that it's not a movie on the big screen and that it serves a different purpose than what they might be expecting. I'm really enjoying the fact that this show so far, I mean, I, I do think that there's going to be something bigger coming up. I'm excited for it, but I've just really liked the fact that um, with the show and um, some of the other shows that we've seen for both Star Wars and the MCU and stuff like that, it's been a little bit more focused on character development. I love the flashbacks that we're getting of Boba Fett's life and seeing how it's affecting him in the present. And if that's all that this show is, personally, I think that it's a success. Agreed. Alfie, how about you? I agree with that. And I, I think it also goes into the format of this show versus the Mandalorian where the Mandalorian was a adventure of the week type show. There was a climax to like every episode. Yes. It told a, a underlying narrative, but now this series is we're going back to kind of a slow burn and it's, it's really such a drastic change that I could see where people may not like it as much but i really like it i love the character development i love the backstories i want more well we we've already discussed it and again what <clears throat> we're hopping into the book of Oba before we get to it really but i think we all prefer that we've got it as a show and a series instead of just a movie because a movie would not go this deep into any of these topics or go as deep into any of these characters as it is in this show so I think I think Disney's hit on something here. Instead of just trying to do a mass boom, let's push something out. They're allowing some storytelling to go on. They're allowing some depth in characters. And so I, I think it is different for those people who are like, oh, I just want to hop on a Disney Plus, see something, be excited for a week, and then hop back off. That, I don't think that probably fits real well compared to the people who are watching or, or the, the ramp up for The Mandalorian the way it was. So... Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys talking about that. I just I just thought it was interesting. Um, so uh, I, I did see in Dorkside, Dorkside of the Force, I, I like to see their articles that pop up. One of the articles I read this week was <clears throat> something to the effect was, was the Ahsoka leaving the Order 
as big as a moment in Star Wars as the Luke, I am your father or I, the I am your father moment because it turned everything. You, you expected her to take those beads back from Anakin and rejoin. You know, when you were watching it that first time, you're thinking, oh, she's going to come back and be part of the Jedi Order. But seeing how it just, boom, that was the climax, the end of that season five right there. Does it rank up there really high in the Star Wars lore to have that moment right there kind of be on par with with that I'm your father moment? Or, or are people throwing that too high a praise right there? I personally, I was very moved by that that scene right there. And, you know, being a nine-year-old kid seeing The Empire Strikes Back, it probably didn't hit me the same way. You know, it shocked me, but this was much deeper on that. So do you guys have any thoughts on that whole Ahsoka storyline and how that twist at the end right there matches up with that go ahead Alf. i think this goes back to how we're always talking about different generations in what they get introduced to as their star wars and i could see that as being that prequel as a younger child growing into the clone Wars series i could see that being not to me personally but yeah i could see that being their I am your father moment. The doctor. I think for me, it's, I think for me, it's, it's uh, harder because I'm not somebody who has firsthand knowledge of either of those moments. I came in later than both of them. So um, I really don't have an insider's perspective on just how shocking either one of them were, but um, I mean, I, I think that Ahsoka leaving the order that that season five finale it speaks to two things. It speaks to the evolution of the character of Ahsoka, especially in the minds of the audience who really weren't on board with this character at first. And I think that that moment was less of a shocking story moment as much as I think that, at least from what I've heard from people um, and their reactions to it, I think it was a moment that everybody collectively went, I care about this character. And they didn't realize that until that moment when they were forced to recognize that everything's going to change. And also season five is just kind of a doozy of a season in terms of you get Onderon and then you get Mandalore and then yeah. you get Ahsoka's trial. And at the end, it's just kind of like, I can imagine that that was just a heavy weight to end with that going, oh, there's just so yeah. much. It, it definitely didn't feel like a kid show by the time you got through a season five. I mean, it, yeah. it was very heavy, very deep. D-Doc, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could see uh, some comparisons. I mean, obviously, that's one of the standout moments from Clone Wars. And um, like Jessica was saying, it's basically like that that moment drew me in. I mean, I was watching, I just watched Clone Wars last year for the first time or a year and a half ago or so. And I remember season five was drawing me in and that was my kind of like, oh, damn moment, you know, like it was definitely pivotal moment of the show and they did a good job of grabbing you with an animated show you know to to have that emotion wrapped up into that scene and everything it was it, it hit in the feels as we say yeah no i agree um yeah it it i don't know where it ranks but i do know that in in the star wars mythology it, it's up there in in storyline so um being an older guy, one of the things that stood out to me this week I was looking at are, are the physical products of Star Wars gone? And when I say that, um, I can't find season seven of the Clone Wars 
on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, I can't get uh, Mandalorian season one or season two on Blu-ray, right? I can't hold a physical copy. Everything's on Disney Plus. Is that over and done? Am I old now that I want to still have that physical copy in hand to add to my collection? Because I, I like looking at my bookshelf and seeing it. So I get your thoughts on it. I hate it. I'm so upset. I'm I'm 28 years old and I am not about this streaming culture. I am so tired of feeling like I rent all of my media. And as soon as I either stop subscribing to Disney Plus or, you know, God forbid, Audible goes down, that my my audiobooks are gone. Like I, I don't know. I just I I am not happy with the way that they're doing this now. I I, I like that they're finally giving us special features again you know the old they're reviving the era of the special features dvd by giving us behind the scenes looks at these shows but no i am not about this one bit alfie they want you to be done more than it is done and that's only because of one reason and you're paying the same price if not more to not own something than to physically own it. it. You know, the thing about this is they give me both ways, honestly. I would buy the physical copy and still keep the Disney Plus setup. But for me, it's it's more of a collecting thing. It's it's having that tangible thing in my hand. So I get it. They want me roped in. And, and okay, I'm roped in. Right. But- and they know that because they keep releasing 4K, Ultra, HD, full sagas of everything you can't just buy each individual movie very easily but we will sell you a 300 set and you'll still pay eight dollars a month in our streaming service true and i could see them doing something like that you know after 2022 or something when you know 2022 is this year where we're getting all of these new star wars shows we've still got other ones coming down the pipeline after that of course but i could see them periodically putting out like a whole big expensive box set of all of the shows that have come out but i i think that I can't really see them going back to the idea of being like, oh, here's your new show and you can either get it on Disney plus or in DVD Blu-ray. It is a shame. It is a shame. I mean, I, I, and you know, I guess, I guess it's everywhere now. I mean, right. Like if I took my kids on vacation when they were younger, we'd have to take a little mini DVD player so they could play what they wanted to play. But let's face it. If they're in a car or on a plane now, they just open up their phone or their iPad and, the streaming service is right there. The problem, like you said, is it's it's not tangible. It's not in your hand. And heaven forbid, if you ever did stop having Disney Plus, you wouldn't have it anymore. So um, go ahead, D-Doc. See, I, I do think there are things that are timeless, though. And I think people are starting to realize that, whether you're related to like online shopping and going to a store and seeing it. I like to find something in a store now. I was all about Amazon when it first came out. I was ordering everything online. Now it's like, I like the, I like to go to a store and look at the shelves and see if I can find something. And as you're saying about the physical copy, like when I recently moved, I can't tell you how many times I've gone on streaming services to see if Lord of the Rings was available. And when I went to move, I found my box of my DVDs and I'm like, here's my whole Lord of the Rings DVD collection in these boxes. Yet I sit here and look for stuff to stream. I think I've even paid to rent it before. Like, 
Disney Plus knows what they're doing with keeping that off of DVD because Game of Thrones was a streaming show and they would release it on DVD after every season. So, I mean, they just know that you're going to keep your subscription because you want to have that option to throw on Mandalorian while you're going to bed at night or something, you know? Right, right. I don't know. I, I Being the old guy of the group, I guess I just felt like I was a get off my lawn moment for me there when I was like, I still don't have, it's bothering me that I'm looking at my shelf and I don't have season seven of, of Clone Wars up there. It's really bothering me because um, I've got the rest, but yeah, another story for another time. Um, Jessica, you, we had discussed your, your uh, affection for High Republic. I was reading through, I've read most of the books. I haven't read the last one. The most recent one just came out um, or listened to it as we all know that we do here. Um, but I, I have not touched the comics and I really stayed away from the comics in the past few years, but I was reading today an article and it was saying how Luke in the star Wars line of comics between empire and Jedi meets the spirit of Elzar man in the Gazian system, the Gazian system. And it looks an awful lot like Octu. Um, have you guys seen or heard this at all that he has a conversation with the spirit of Elzar Man from High Republic? Yes, no, or is it just me no. who saw that article? I didn't see it. Jessica? I haven't read the issue yet, but I've seen what people have posted online. And yeah, it's, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure what the context is of it, but I am really interested to see how they're playing with it. As, as you know, there, there there's a panel where you see Avar, Chris, one of the High Republic characters, again, with... Um, Qui-Gon and other Jedi in both the High Republic and the prequel eras. And I'm not really sure what they're going for with this. It is really interesting that the next phase of High Republic books is going back into the past again. And so I don't really know what they're planning on doing with this. I personally don't think that we're looking at some kind of metaphysical time travel here, but I have heard people throw out those ideas and i'm just oh, kind of like mm. personally i'm hoping that that's not where they're going but um i do really love this idea this metaphor that i think this issue was playing with just this idea that you know the jedi order is this ecclesial body throughout time and space and there's this connection that they're going to have. I love that. I know that uh, one of my High Republic friends went on Wikipedia and updated Luke's <sighs> bio to say that one of his masters was Elzar Man, and that didn't stay up very long. Wow. Um, though I think that it was more of a sourcing issue. But um, I, ju I just think that it's kind of fun that we've got this new era that's that's really very much in flux. And I always love when they're able to find those moments where there's a relevance to the more regular Skywalker saga that we're all familiar with. Yeah. I, I look, I'm, I'm going to continue reading the books. I probably won't get into the comics, but, but um, it is weird for me to think about how they're crossing that back over and connecting it with, you know, tissues and things like that. Um, you know, another, another thing I saw that I did not know is that Jabba makes an appearance in a high Republic comic. So the, the discussion of Jabba the Hutt is in a High Republic comic. So I, I mean, I'm I'm I see they're putting breadcrumbs or they're mix, mixing this in, matching that with this. It, it we're, we're in for an interesting ride over the next few years, I think, between High Republic, the Acolyte, 
um, and, and where we're going with some of these Disney plus series, it, it, it could be quite interesting. And as we're seeing with just the comments from this episode of book of Boba Fett, I can only imagine the comments are going to be coming if you start doing some of these kind of things. So um, starting to tie some of the things into the book of Boba Fett one, are any of you ready to go by your nerf Boba Fett EE three blaster for $109? Who's ready to put down the 109? Alfie, if your hand's not going up, I'm going to be really shocked. I want it really badly, <laughs> but man, look, I buy Star Wars stuff all the time. But there's usually a limit on what I like to spend, and $100 is kind of that limit. Okay. See, if I bought that, I'd be forced to try to put a paint job on it. And I don't, I, and I could possibly screw that up. But like, if I got that, it, it looks like it's got great quality on it, throw a primer on it and try to paint it to look like the real gun. But then if I screw it up, I screwed up a $109 Nerf gun. And honestly, if my kid sees a Nerf gun, he's going to want to go run around and shoot it. So <laughs> whatever. Okay. And Jessica, you're not, you, you don't think you're going to jump into the Nerf world? Yeah, I think I'll stay out of the nerf world. I'm the kind of person who, you know, there, there are certain things that I like to get. I'm not a huge collector. I like, you know, I've, I've got some art prints. I've, I like the books. Um, I'm the kind of person who I went out and bought the $30 kids dark saber when it came out and that one makes noise. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Okay. Okay. Um, one more, one more thing as we lead into this next, this episode of book of Boba Fett. I knew nothing about Sophie Thatcher, who plays Drash, but I'm hearing that she's on a Showtime show called Yellow Jackets. Have any of you seen, checked out, know anything about Sophie Thatcher, who plays Drash in this upcoming episode of Book of Boba Fett? Did nobody else knew? No. I, I know I, that she's 21 years old, which means that she was born in 2000. And I'm uh, like, even I feel old now. Hmm. I'd yeah. read who it was a while ago and looked them up in, I don't know, a single thing they've been in. Okay. I don't think she's Maybe done too, too much old. right now. She's, she's only, she's only been active I think since I think uh, 2015. So she's a relative newcomer, but um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that this will give her, her career a bit of a boost. I think so. D-Doc, you had something? Yeah, um, now that I'm looking her up, I recognize the one movie she was in with um, Pedro Pascal called um, uh, Prospect. I've watched the trailer for that and been like, this looks like a good movie. It came out in 2018, kind of like a space movie with Pedro Pascal. So I wonder if there's some relation there. Sophie Thatcher, you said, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Okay. Maybe they have well, the same age. Possibly, or maybe it's just all so intertwined and, and, and uh, you know, mixed together. If you've been in something with somebody else, you're going to, this is where I keep saying that Vince Vaughn is going to end up showing up in a Disney plus show at some point in time because of his connections with John Favreau. That's all I'm saying. I have a feeling, even if it's just a, a little thing as a bartender in a cantina, Vince Vaughn might show up. That's just my, my theory. I threw it out way back when, when I knew Favreau was getting that involved. So um, before we hop into Book of Boba Fett, 
any round the table topics you guys want to hit of things you saw this week. I I've got plenty of comments from people here in texts and direct messages and things like that. Um, so I wanted to get, get your guys thoughts before we hop in there. Cause I have a feeling we'll, we'll hit a lot of topics on this. Alfie. Yeah. The uh, news of the Bo-Katan show this week. Is, is there something behind this? Is it real? Is it just a theory, you know, wishful thinking? Any thoughts? I think it's wishful thinking, but I'm hearing that, uh, that Mingna Wen accidentally or not so accidentally (laughs) retweeted it. And they, they, the actors find out pretty quickly where those no-nos are. And because I know that, I know that uh, Katie Sackov accidentally liked a scoop saying that she was in Mandalorian too. Mm -hmm. And so I'm never really sure how yeah she sent a tweet out that. to katie sackoff saying congratulations girl so which that's like that that kind of gave me pause i still don't know how in the know all of the different actors are when it comes yeah. to all of the projects i doubt that Mingna wen is probably involved I, I i'm just assuming that boba and fennec are probably not in mando season three and if they're not, that means that they're probably not on the up and up of new news, any spinoffs or things like that. But again, that's kind of speculation as well. I just picture Ming-Na Wen like retweeting that and congratulating her and then just like a lightsaber, like in episode one, when Qui-Gon is cutting through the, through the wall, right in her front door, <laughs> delete it now. Delete it. <laughs> Guy with like a suit with a Mickey mouse on and a lightsaber breaks into the house. Get no, it's it's it. Jedi Mickey. Yeah. 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 Jedi Mickey has all power. That That is for sure. So yeah, Alfie, the first I saw of it was your tweet or your, your text over to us about it. So um, I had not heard. I want it to be it. true. Yeah, I know you do. I think it would Very be awesome. Very much want it to be true. Um, so let's just jump into it. Um, Book of Boba Fett, number three, the streets of Mos Espa. Again, in, in the you know we were doing this the day after it came out. Um, lots of feedback, and and honestly, I'll let you guys know. I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, you're going to see this. You're going to know this. It, you're it's going to stand out to you." I watched the whole episode and, and I said, did I miss something? Because I, I didn't feel like anything stood out that bad except for really colorful speeder bikes. And I was like, I'm going to go back and watch it again. And I was like, still, that's the only thing that's really standing out to me. So um, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, we can go through any way you want on this, but I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it brought more depth to everything. Um I like the flashbacks and, and we can get into that because there were some very deep parts of the flashbacks, but you three across the board, uh, just let me know, hit me with some of your initial thoughts of, of this episode three right here, Book of Boba Fett. Alfie. I really liked this episode. Um, I really liked the flashbacks. I love where the story's going, the character, you know, depth into the backstories. But to me, the one thing that stood out to me was that, speeder chase just seemed really slow for some reason and it just seemed off a little bit that's the only thing i had wrong with this episode okay okay jessica or d-doc anything that stood out made you say either way way thumbs up or thumbs down on this episode uh with any any bullet points 
Yeah, I'll go real quick. Um, kind of like what Alfie said. I thought the speeder chase was slow. It just seemed like it was done like in half speed and it was kind of whimsical or whatever, which as we've said, this is a show. So it's like, I'm not going to let a speeder bike scene that I thought was slow or whatever, or if I thought the speeder bikes looked like they were from Dr. Seuss bother me. <laughs> like, I'm not like, I'm not like really a critical star Wars fan at all, honestly. And it's not like, I'm like, I don't like these speeder bikes. So I don't like this show or whatever. It's like, they're different. Could I get used to it? Sure. Am I open to getting used to it? Sure. I thought it was a little slow. That's the only complaint I'll say if that's what we're doing, because like you said, there was a lot of noise on the internet and I was watching this episode waiting to see that, Oh my gosh, this is terrible moment. And I really didn't see it, which kind of makes me wish I don't read that stuff before I watch it. Honestly, it's hard not to, but yeah. Yeah. Jessica, how about you? Um, you know, I really enjoyed this episode and then was really shocked when I started to see less than stellar reviews. Um, again, I'm here for character development. I love the fact that that uh, this episode is, it, you know, we got um, really emotional flashbacks. We got, um, we got Boba Fett, the animal lover, which is always the way to my heart. Um, we got, um, you know, the, the whole the whole premise of this episode is the people want to know how he's going to rule. And we got that. What I, what really bugs me is when people are like, where's the story going? What's this about? And I'm like, they tell you, they have a thesis statement. They say, you know, we, we want to know how you're going to rule the, the people don't respect you. And what does he do? He goes out and he proves that he's not going to be this, this violent crime Lord that, you know, that he could be. And honestly, that some fans are probably expecting. And so for me, I thought that it was very purposeful. I thought that it was effective storytelling. There are quibbles that I have about it. I personally wasn't even uh, bothered by the speeder chase. I actually really liked it. I was trying to figure out why it feels slow. And the two things that I came up with are, A, when you're when you have a speeder chase, you don't have some typical things that we would have in regular car chases, namely spinning wheels, um, which is something that I think psychologically changes the way that we look at it. And then you're also dealing with a very small setting, weaving in and out of all of the, the um, alleys and things like that. Now I, I, it still does look slow to me. And I think I, I try to, I'm trying to figure out if it's because they tried to do that so that we could see more details. Um, because the, the other speeder chase that really comes to mind recently is the one in season two of the Mandalorian where in, in the siege episode, when they're escaping from, um, where are they They're when they're coming from? Yeah, they're, the, they're at the military Base, yeah, the Jakarta military base. and Caradun, all them are yeah, yeah, and and that that kind of gave me a little pause because I was kind of like, okay, well, you, this is still a speeder chase. You you don't have the spinning wheels, but they did do a really good job in that speeder chase of showing speed. And I'm not sure if it's just because it was more open, they were able to take you know corners tighter and things like that. But it's it's kind of something that that is interesting to me too. But in general, I was fine with it. I actually kind of like the speeder bikes, and the reason why is because. Star Wars is this mishmash of aesthetics. And where have we seen retro 
Star Wars before. We've got, oh, I mean, watch the prequels. Mm-hmm. You see Dex's diner. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, rolling skate waitresses and stuff like it, it's not like this is a new or or strange thing now it's it's strange to see that on Tatooine but you're also dealing with this gang who are saying that they've spent a lot of money to upgrade themselves with droid parts it's not at all um strange for me to think that they probably spent a lot of money to import vehicles that they thought looked cool right from someplace like Coruscant well I I will say this Steve Glosson who is a guy who I listen to all the time and I think has really good perspectives on star Wars. He said when, when guys, he and I, you know, our age were growing up, the characters that stood out to us were the Luke in the X-wing pilot. Cause it's bright orange Greedo, you know, with the, the action figures, Greedo was green, right? Uh, the emperor's Royal guard was red. Um, you know, um, the, the different characters that stood out like that were the color ones. Because if you look across star Wars and I'm looking right here behind me, Everything's either a gray, a white, a brown, a tan, um, some kind of form of that. So to see something colorful in Star Wars, I think is great. I think the reason that I love the Naboo Star uh, Starfighter so much was that bright yellow color of that ship in the middle of you know this this usually drab kind of scenery. So I I was perfectly fine with it. And actually, I, I if I'm if I'm Hasbro, if I'm Star Wars, one, I'm bringing those characters out and making it to where they're available to kids right away because they are colorful. They attract your attention mm-hmm. and they're cool with their extra robotic cyborg parts. Two, if I'm Schwinn or Huffy or whoever else makes bikes these days, I'm making bikes with maybe a cover over part of them that look like that. So the kids are on those looking like those bright, colorful speeder bikes right there. And I mean, think about it. Alfie, you have a land speeder for your daughter in your garage. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you have something like this for a five-year-old when they get those, you know, Jeeps or whatever, have something like this. I think it's, it's great and it's fun. And Star Wars is supposed to be fun. It can't always be super serious, super drab all the time. So yeah, we have yeah. a scooter that looks like that right now. It's in you the do? garage. Yeah, You do? Yeah. I mean, it's not like from the episode but it's the same you know kind of vespa you know body style okay see so i i think this would do well you make star wars versions of it so um so let star wars be fun that's right let star wars be fun um you know what jessica right now that is leading leading in the clubhouse as a title for the show let star wars be fun i like that um to me so- they look just like out of the old marvel comics just weird and out of place and just cool looking to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I like that. Go ahead. D-Doc. I, I think just where my complaint comes from is I thought they looked awesome, but then when they started driving on, I'm like, wait a second, are these like half horsepower speeder bikes? Like that was my only thing is it's like, I just wish there was more speed. I mean, think about when uh, IG 11 cruises in, uh, at the end of season one of Mandalorian, I mean, I mean, it is tight spaces, but he's still going around banging, and it's like. But at the same time, I understand what Jessica was saying too, where they're like, hitting fruit and it's slower. It almost kind of reminded me of like Aladdin, kind of in the beginning of Aladdin, almost with like stuff going on with that. And well, I mean, they are showing some more scenery and establishing that. I can see that. You are, you I, are, you're hitting a point, Alfie. I'll hit this real quick. You can go. 
I, I felt super, super Back to the Future one and two vibes in this yeah. chase scene and the ending of this chase. It was almost like they were in the town square and Michael J. Fox and and you know Biff, you know, hitting that thing and the manure falling on him and said it's all the fruit. And that's where I I got that vibe watching this was Back to the Future one and two. So go ahead, Alfie. Totally the vibe I got from that. I was going to bring that up. But my second point is, I think what really makes this stand out as being so slow was having the mayor's uh, right-hand guy having the solo type speeder. Mm. Because it went so fast, you kind of associate it as being, you know, Han Solo's that that chase through um, Karelia that was so fast with the tight turns and all the stunts, but you know, as one episode, I can let it go. It just seemed a little off to me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll zoom through some, some uh, points here that just looking through the show. Um, One Bomar monks back to start was great. Um, Having it called the sail barge disaster instead of, you know, it almost made you feel like it wasn't, done up by you know leia luke and han and, and lando it was the sail barge disaster by 88 there um i loved the the lorth appeal a watermonger character he's been in so many shows well first of all he, he should have a stapler with him like right. hooked, on to, hooked onto his belt that would have been absolutely fantastic but i going back to jessica's talk about they're laying in the groundwork for you here's a guy who's crooked right but he still has some power that lorth appeal water guy He's complaining about the guy, the the gang that's that's the mods, right? Well, Boba Fett goes and shows them, I'm going to be even to both of you. I'm going to be fair to both of you. You're gouging them for money, so you're going to accept this, change your prices or leave. You guys need work. If you can't find work, I'm going to help you find work. So let's fix this, right? Instead of just letting it all fall apart and be a shambles or being cruel to either side, he was trying to be fair and equal to both sides. So I like that. I like the character. Um, and yeah, I mean, that that's where I'll start into. I'll let you guys go from there and point out some other things from there. Go ahead, D-Doc. Well, well I'm, I'm actually working on my Tamora Morrison impersonation. So what was the line? He goes, I'll give you 500. And then he's like, lower your prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool how he did that though. I'm like, all right, he's playing both sides. I thought it was going to turn into a fight. And it was it was cool to see him lead like that. That's all I'll say on that part. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, it was weird to hear that Bib Fortuna couldn't handle all of Jabba's um, business, and he and he split it out amongst the three families of the Aqualish, the Trandoshans, and the Clatoonians. Um, you know, it it makes you wonder. Okay, how much control did he really keep after Jabba was gone, right? How much of his empire is still there and put together or, or did it kind of go to shambles afterwards? So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, of course, outside of Jabba's palace, now Boba's palace, uh, that, that creature uh, eats the thing and then burps as just like in Return of the Jedi. My, my wife thought that was kind of funny, brought her back to watch in Return of the Jedi again. And I'm sorry, I'm just kind of going through this point by point. I apologize, but as I as I hit this, just let me know anything that uh, that stands out to you. I, are you guys thinking that Attack of the Clones is becoming more and more important as we keep seeing the flashbacks to Camino and Boba watching his dad fly away and save Slave One? Or what is the new title of that ship? I'm sorry. Fire Spray. 
fire spray. I apologize. I didn't. It's like saying the Washington football team and not doing that. I shouldn't have said slave one. It's fire spray. But do you guys feel like that? Like Attack of the Clones, which is usually bashed on by a lot of people as being one of the weaker movies. I feel like there's more and more importance coming out of this now with, with Boba Fett, with the clones and so on and so forth. Thoughts on any of that so far that I was just spewing out there. I've been really surprised to see those scenes. I, you know, that's not something I expected to see in this series. And yes, I think it does again, kind of we're filling in a little bit of that gap in his life. And I hope we see more. I kind of expected it to have a little bit of a, uh, significance. Um, I don't think that it's going to be, um, you know, ra- raising the overall perception of episode two. I'm a huge episode two fan. I actually think that when it comes to the storytelling, uh, wooden dialogue aside, it has one of the strongest storytelling arcs. And so I'm always going to be the one to <laughs> advocate for it. Um, but of course, it's going to be important when. I mean, this is kind of the, this is kind of Tamara Morrison's era. (laughs) You know, he came in, we didn't expect to see this guy again. And now he's got his own show. He's been in Mandalorian. He's, we've seen, you know, Fennec. We, you know, could very possibly see Boba in Bad Batch, stuff like that. And so, you know, a movie called Attack of the Clones was always going to have a little bit more of a significance for this guy. Agreed. Agreed. Um, We go back to the flashbacks again. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm loving the flashbacks. I think the flashbacks have been done very well. Um, Boba's in his black robes. He's on his Bantha going to see the Pikes and Moss Eisley. And how wonderful was it to see the overlap of Mandalorian with his Stormtrooper helmets on those spikes, exactly how it was in the Mandalorian season one when he came through there, and then seeing Pelimoto and her pit droids go behind that scene right there as he was leading into the pikes i mean i I actually was like oh oh wait there goes pelimoto i I mean are we are we getting to that point alpha you've mentioned it are we getting to that point where it's going to be that they're a day off from each other right like this is happening but a day after mando just did this and yeah it seems like we're getting there yeah i i think we might get to that point very soon Uh, um another interesting point about the flashback like you said he goes to most Eisley to see the pikes but i know it's most espa is a different mm-hmm. part of tatooine but they don't mention the pikes at all it's having any control in there so are we going to see i mean it's i guess it's still possible they're in most Eisley, but will we see any confrontation in these flashbacks to why they didn't feel that vacuum when Jabba left. I, I would I would think we have to. I does anybody else feel like we're setting up to where the Pikes or somebody else is really the big bad guy in the book of Boba Fett? Uh, I think the mayor is just a stool pigeon. He's just in the middle of all of it making money on both sides. I think Major Domo is playing, you know, both sides of things, but does it feel like the Pikes are the ones calling the shots and doing all these things? Or does it feel like there's somebody above them even that's calling the shots and making all this happen? Go ahead, D-Doc. Well, uh, number one, I think it's all going to lead to Crimson Dawn and the end of everything. I do think that. But 
I uh, I will say I didn't even notice her in the background. You're the I, I didn't even see it on Twitter. I was so jacked that they were showing them putting the stormtrooper helmets on the pikes, and and honestly, when you were just talking about this now, like my mind just went to um, Are we going to see like an Avengers Endgame type situation where during a Boba Fett flashback, are we going to see some of Mando's storyline panning out in his flashbacks as he's watching him from a distance? You know, like. I don't know why that just kind of popped into my head. Like just picturing, you know, one of the fight scenes in town with Mando, are we going to see Boba Fett, like sitting on a rooftop, like watching him, like what's going on here? You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's how episode one of season two finished, right? Was him watching right. him and Cobb Vant. So he's obviously, or I would assume he would be watching him and figuring that out. I'm hearing there's a guy wearing Mandalorian armor. Oh, now there's two guys wearing Mandalorian armor. I think he's going to be paying attention to that somewhere around there. Um, did what did you guys think about the um, the Pikes basically saying, "Hey, we're, we'll we'll be willing to pay you, but we're already paying the Kenton Striders, which are I'm guessing that Nikto gang that we saw protection money." Do you think it was the Pikes turning to those Niktos and saying, "Go burn down"? that village while he's gone? Or do you think there was somebody else involved? Did the Pikes do it themselves? I don't think they did because it doesn't look like they like to fight their own battles. What do you guys think about that sequence of scenes right there where he takes the Bantha in, has a meeting, takes the Bantha back out, sees the smoke and runs to it? Um, I didn't think it would be gut-wrenching to watch more Tusken Raiders die. We've already seen it a handful of times in different situations. But man... It gave that vibe of Luke going back to see Owen and Baru with the smoke and seeing them. It gave the vibe again of, of Ben and Luke finding the Jawas and a new hope and piling them into the fire. And going into that was a really cool fighter who Boba had that great relationship with. Did we see that person's body in the Tuscan camp? And do we see the kid's body? I think we saw the other people's bodies, but do we see either of their bodies? Just talk about, any of those topics right there. Alfie, I'll let you start. Jessica and David go from there. I don't think we see their bodies, but we do see their gaffy sticks in the kid stick that he puts in the fire. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's them, that their bodies are in that fire, but I took it that way. And yeah, I would, I got the impression that it was the pipes, especially with the way he, perks up in the present day story when he hears that the pikes are involved with this it's almost like you know godfather three you know our true enemy has not yet revealed itself and now you know he's played this long con of kind of looking weak to get that true enemy to come out and it's just who he's looking for okay yeah i i definitely at least right now, I'm expecting that the Pikes are behind all of this. It makes sense because they're the ones who um, were inconvenienced when it came to the train in the last episode. And then, obviously, they're the ones who know that Boba's not going to be there to defend the camp because he's having a meeting with them. So then they send everybody out to go and destroy them. And then we see the pikes at the end all arriving 
Fennec says they're going to war. At least right now, we are meant to assume that that power is being wielded by the pikes behind the scenes. Um, I also, I we're, regardless of what, whether or not we see the bodies, I also think that we're meant to imply that all of those characters are dead now. Um, I was really, you know, it, it was kind of a hard week on Twitter with people responding to this scene, you know, We've seen we've seen it, issues with the Tuscans that where we're we're not meant to look at them in a sympathetic light, and uh, last week's ep- episode really went out of the way to show that no, you know, this is a family, this is a culture, this is a tribe, and I know that a lot of people were really hurt by the um, kind of just wanton destruction. Um, I I don't know. I I want to be sympathetic to those people who really kind of took that whole storyline personally. Um, My feeling is probably that the whole idea was to say, we're we're not, we're closing this chapter on this literal book of Boba Fett. We're not going to see them again. And so story, story storytelling wise, these kinds of things, just like with Luke finding Baru and Owen, it's meant to provide a clean slate. Now, I think that you could argue whether or not that was entirely necessary um, to show that violence, but I really did love the scene of him grieving. And especially um, in that scene, the soundtrack that's playing underneath was really significant. Um, The lyrics in that soundtrack is Mandoa. And it's the first time that we've gotten real, true, grammatically correct Mandoa since um, we got a little bit in Rebels. We got a little bit of nonsense Mandoa in the Clone Wars, but this is the first time that we've gotten true Mandoa again. And it's um, the line, elite Orisha Taldin, which is family is more than blood. Repeated over and over again. Whoa. Okay. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that scene has a lot of significance when you start to look into it. Wow. Okay. I usually rely on Alfie for all the depth and, and you just took us to a whole nother level there. Jessica. Yeah. So um, I, wow. I was going to comment on that scene, but I might just uh, not anymore. Honestly. You just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Ahead, it's also um, the reason why you may not want to call this this uh, episode Star just Wars. let Star Wars be fun because I don't want anybody coming to me and being like, you know what, this heavy episode just is just like let's just let Star Wars be fun. <laughs> it is healthy. The past two episodes, we've really gotten to know this Tuscan clan, and we've seen what you know. A, a lot of people have complained about on Twitter, you know, the, the non Boba Fett, you know, that we know in this tribe, getting accepted, learning their customs, you know, learning their ways. There has to be a bridge from that to the Boba we see in Mando, the tragedy, you know, where he has that venom back and just that ruthlessness when he puts the armor back on. In uh, Jessica, I was going to ask one thing that I've picked up on the original Boba's stripes on his helmet were yellow. And now that he's redone his armor, they're red. 
but he has one black stripe now in the back of his helmet. It's a row of red and one black. Is there any significance to that in the, how do you say the language again? Mandoa. Mandoa. Uh, yeah, there is. And I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's hard because the, you know, this stuff is always so fluid, you know, people trying to put these kinds of things together that, you know, comes from all kinds of different sources, which, which colors did you say it changes from on his helmet? It was, they were yellow in empire. And I think in Jedi, they may have switched to red, but I can't remember exactly, but now yeah. they are so, red in one. I do remember people talking one. about this. I do remember people talking about this, especially because he also he we, we saw the new paint job in Mandalorian, right? Right. Um, and is that is that where it changes? Because um, yeah, he used to have gold or yellow, which is vengeance, and now that um, it's red, a lot of people are are saying that that was very purposeful because red is honoring a parent or leader. Okay. So it's his. It, so that's something where I've kind of been looking out for. Are they going to start? Um, exploring that legacy of Django, or it's it's kind of surprising to me that you know right now i don't know how much that we're going to get in continued flashbacks but we're not really seeing the positive aspects of Django's relationship we we just keep seeing him leave so i'm really curious to know if that paint change was intentional because if it is, you'd expect that we'd start to see a little bit more of the positive aspects of how Django has affected his son. We haven't quite seen that yet. And I just wondered, you know, are we going to see this, his relationship with the Tungan, or Tuscans translate into that one black stripe that's on the back now? Oh, black is justice. So yeah, mm. I, I can see that. Especially if, if he finds mm. out that it's the Pikes who who killed them, then, I mean, I kind of think that that's kind of the implication that now he's going to be going to war with the Pikes. I'm still not convinced that they're the big baddies, but I think that that's definitely where it could lead now. Okay, so D-Doc and I are like just spinning because we're learning all kinds of new things. I love running a show where I'm learning. This is great. Um, <laughs> but, um, and that's why we invite you on, Jessica, because you teach us stuff. Um, Let's jump to um, Carsantin, yanking him out of the back to tank, the tube, the pod, um, his new mod gang helping him out. He's getting his behind kicked, but and he's using that that uh, gaffy stick in the fight. Um, and then they finally get uh, the the black Wookiee down into the Rancor's pit and have him down in there as a prisoner. And then the huts show up right after that and want to give them a gift and want to make amends. I felt like Alfie's talked about this a lot. One, he said he has a feeling that Boba's tribe is going to get wiped out. Well, by episode three of this, looks like they have. Alfie's also said this is the Godfather version of Star Wars, the gangster movie of Star Wars right here. And right now, between Boba talking to the Pikes in the last show and Boba talking to the the huts in this show, it definitely had the feel exchanging gifts, exchanging, you know, prisoners, things like that. Definitely felt like a gangster movie. What were you guys thoughts about all that action that went on there between the huts, the rancor being gifted, 
again, Carsanton coming in and, and taking him out while he was in the, the back to pod. Hit me with some of your thoughts, D-Doc. Especially with the uh, dinner scene as well, where they have all this food laid out on the table and everything, you know, and it almost seems like Boba's like, I, I don't want to be this kind of guy where I'm sitting here with a table full of food and all this, all these riches and everything. Like he, he wants to get down to business and Fennec, like Fennec does, I, she's, I think she is enjoying being in power with him, you know, like she, she's definitely enjoying it, but she also, she, but I, I guess Boba's grown this, more personal side to him. And she kind of has that savage mentality. Like I don't trust these people. Let's enjoy the time we have right now while we're on top. But um, yeah, like, like you said, it's just total mob scene and everything. And I also saw a funny comment with um, Chrysanthem. Am I pronouncing his name right? Chrysanthem? Santon. Chrysanthem. Where they were like, someone posted online, why would you, uh, you know, hire a group of punk teenagers when you have this guy to help you? He's yours. Like, why would you just let him go? And someone had commented and said, like, if you release a Wookiee, they're in debt to you, which uh, is that a thing? Mm -hmm. Like, if yeah. you are to release a Wookiee, they're in debt to you? Because they're like, Boba probably knows that he'll have his back if something goes down, which I thought was interesting as well. I know I he, just mumbled there for a no, little no, bit. No, no, but... no. He, he, he said, I'm sorry. It was just business. I mean, he, he was apologetic to him. He wasn't saying, Hey, get out of here. He was just saying it was just business. Go, you know, go about your, your, your going your way. Right. Go ahead. Uh, out here, Jessica. Well, in, in terms of Chris Anton, I definitely think that this is one of those storytelling moments where um, we won't see him for the next couple of episodes. And then in, the finale or something like that boba will be on the floor pinned by somebody and then this big old wookie who owes him a life debt is going to come in and save him we'll see him one more time um yeah i i i definitely was a little bit you know i'm not really sure what to think right now with the the the, the crime lord relationships right now they introduced these hut twins now it seems like at least we're being led to believe that they're leaving. I don't really know if this is the last we're going to see of them because that just seems like a lot of setup for little payoff. Unless, um, I mean, we do have the Rancor now, but I'm not really sure exactly what we're leading into with that. But um, I don't know. It's it, we're, we're definitely still early where we're not really sure what's going to um, be taking up the time for the last half of this series. I personally think this episode was a major shift in the series. I, I think it was, you know, in a lot of plays, they, they aren't the the finale is not that that big point, right? In Shakespeare, it doesn't go up into a triangle in the point. Once you get past that that big plot kind of time and turning, it, it's all going in a different direction. I felt like this was right here between the wiping out of the Tuscans and seeing that background and and seeing that we've got a new enemy in the pikes. And there's a whole new adventure in front of them. I think we, we're going to take a turn right here. And seeing also the Mandalorian touch points of Pelimoto and the Stormtrooper helmets on the spikes, I think they're saying, hey, we're, we're turning the page in this book now, right? We're going we're going in the next chapter with these things right here. So it is going to be interesting to see. And and I'm I'm all for it. I, I think, you know, we we've we've built depth, we've built character. Now let's see where we go. And, and I think you might be right. I, I can't remember which one of you said that he's playing the long game in this. 
He might be doing the rope-a-dope. Hey, I'm weak. Hey, I'm fragile. Kept, draw out my enemies, you know, all that kind of stuff. He might be doing that because you're, by the time we get to Mandalorian, he is completely BA and destroying people left and right. So um, there's a lot of twists and turns that could be coming up here real quick. Um, but, rank- but this is after... This is after Mandalorian. Which which part are you referring to in terms of his weaknesses? Because the the, the present day stuff we are after. Well, this Mandalorian, is true. This is though. true. This is true. You're right. You're yeah. He's he's he has done that. You're right. That is. See, I'm Brent Dykeman. I'm flip flopping things everywhere right now. Brent's gonna hate that. But I think when you mentioned and again, I don't remember if it was Alfie or or you, Jessica, mentioned he's playing the long game and drawing people out. I think in this point he is he is doing that to see who the real enemy is. Does that, does that make sense? Or am I just spewing star Wars randomness out here? Uh, I think it makes sense. Cause if you think about it in the Mandalorian, he was, you know, in a field fighting some stormtroopers. you know, where now he has a lot of eyes on him. So it's like, maybe he's like you said, maybe he's trying to kind of say like, Oh, I have my head in the clouds. I'm the leader now. And you know, it's like, like you said, draw him out you know, show that weakness. Although I don't know how much defense he has right now, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't I, know. He was almost dead with that Wookiee attack. And if it hadn't been for his true. little gang of teenagers. Did he have to be play, wearing if, he, if he's playing weak, he's got to give it up sometime. <laughs> Could, couldn't they have him like in a robe when he was getting beat up or something? No, that's a new Star Wars like... thing. <laughs> between, between Kylo Ren and him, that's what, you know, Anakin in the prequels, Kylo Ren... Now him, they gotta have the bare chest, you know, eye candy, showing off the muscles, and the back to diaper. <laughs> exactly, it's like the when Luke was in it. I, I still remember as a kid seeing Luke in that and just being like, "That looks weird." <laughs> I just want to know what Fennec was doing during that fight because I was just like, you know, she's she's kind of his his right hand. She waits a while to come into that yeah. fight, and I'm like, "Were you asleep?" just really sleeping pretty hard you had to get your armor back on but i don't know i was kind of expecting her to come in a little bit earlier maybe and the, the hudson told him to sleep lightly so you would think he would have been more on guard while he was asleep not that he could but as far as being guarded good point good point um one thing that i wanted to mention we we'd mentioned yeah. the uh the the dinner scene um just just a tiny bit of trivia here the first thing that you see on that scene is um, roasted Nuna. And uh, then you see Fennec hold eating a Nuna leg. Uh, Nuna is, you see it a lot through the Clone Wars because it was the only food that they were confident in animating at that really? time. So so you see it, it, season one, Jar Jar's got it with when he's meeting with, um, I can't remember who he's, who he's with. Um, then Satine is serving it when she's on her giant Titanic barge. And you see it a couple other times before we uh, wow. we got it in Bad Batch, too. But I just thought that that was kind of fun, and I didn't know if that was purposeful or not. If it's work, they, if it's working, they go with it, right? Why, why mess That's something right. up? But I love that you know these little things. Again, I usually rely for Alfie on them. I'm glad I've got two people who are picking up all these things. What What do we think? about rancors being peaceful and less threatened uh form a strong bond with their owners they um i love that they brought up the witches of dathomir which was princess or the courtship of princess Princess leia Leia by dave wolverton right that 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 novel great 
great throwback to that. Um, I, 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 I want to see where this goes. And I think Danny Trejo, um, being, being the rancor keeper is an awesome choice for that person right there. Um, and, and I like the Boba Fett says he had, he's written things 10 times that size. Going back to the fact that in the holiday special, when you first meet Boba Fett, he's on that huge, gigantic dinosaur creature. And, and he's like, I want to ride this. Oh, come on. I want to ride. Let's start today. Um, I love that whole scene. There's a lot of people saying, come on, we just want Rancors to be tearing things up, be bloody, mean. I, I like they add depth to everything we're doing here. You know, go go back into everything. Give us a little more depth on it. What were you guys' thoughts on all the Rancor talk? I loved it. Like I said before, the, the, one, thing that, the one thing that you... Uh... I, I I did not care one jot about this character named Boba Fett. I'll admit, like I I he's the one character that I would never have to be induced to say I thought he was so overrated, and like that again that comes from me you know not really having lived with this character for forty years like other people have, but for me it's all about these moments where you really get to see that human side and i just love that we get the scene with him smiling and laughing and petting this rancor and really wanting to make this connection with him and when when uh, the when the droid comes in he's like not now i'm busy and i'm just like that is my animal lover like that's i've i've said that many a times just leave me alone um and the thing is too is that there's supposed to be a parallel there i think you know this boba fett is the clone of a man who you know millions of clones bred to fight in a war and this rancor is also in a similar way bred to fight and yet we're seeing that that's not really nature that's something that is characterized far more by nurture i like it i like it alfie go ahead I'm going to be very disappointed if we don't see him riding it at some point. You can't tease that and not show it. I really liked, yes, the callbacks to the EU, especially that novel where it talked about, you know, how rancors were the, the way the witches rode them, you know, I, I could be another novel, but I'm almost certain in that one, they even discussed that, that specific rancor in Jabba's palace acted that way out of mistreatment. But, um, you know, I don't have a problem with this character development. I love it. I love seeing these little humanizing moments. We're going to get to the disintegration part soon enough, and it will be a payoff. And I feel that this is all going to make sense when that happens. I think part of the friction that, they're building between Fennec, uh, Fennec and Boba is, you know, that she doesn't see the long game. And she, I, I personally really don't think that Boba's intent here in most Espa is to be a crime lord. I think it's to get someone specific. And if he stays a crime lord, so be it. If not, he's just out to get that person or that set of people. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have a big, big enough vision to see that. Go ahead, D Doc. Uh, on the Rancor uh, scene, I was going to say when he was uh, like the animation on that, I thought was incredible. I mean, uh, I couldn't tell whether it was CGI or whether they had a real prop or what. But when he was opening his eye and you saw the reflection in his eye and everything, and like, 
like Jessica was saying, it was, it was just like a nice humanizing moment for him just to see him excited about it. And fun fact, I actually had emailed Danny Trejo's like agent to be on our podcast a while ago when I was sending stuff out because he's a star Wars fan. Like I was like looking up celebrities who are star Wars fans just to see if we could get some random person on. And, um, uh, oh my God, is it Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. who Robert Rodriguez, he made spy kids, which had him in it. So, you know, obviously they've known each other. So I, I thought it was cool to see him get his role in star Wars. Cause he's a fan. Like he's, he's definitely a big fan. I will say I was really hoping that, um, the, the rancor would turn out to be Moochie from the bad batch and that the imprint that I, I don't know how they would have shown this, but I was hoping that imprinting on Boba would remind him of Omega. I, 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 as soon as you said that, I was like, she's going to go to, yes, I, that's, that's awesome. Speaking of Omega, mm-hmm. speaking of Omega, Phoenix Shan knows Omega. Phoenix Shan knows Boba. At any time, is there going to be a conversation? Hey, Boba, I met your sister. I mean, are we way off on that, or is that a possibility? I've thought about that, and I'd have to go back and rewatch the Bad Batch to see how much she really knows who Omega is. I also think that we don't really know the history of Boba and Fennec. We've that if 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 Fennec really knows that that's his clone sister, they had a whole period together between the time when he saved her and she was healing between seasons one and two. So if we don't get a conversation between them, um, you know, it, it, we could get a conversation and it could be relevant to the plot. Otherwise I'm just going to assume that that's something that they've talked about before. Okay. I look, I know we've already hit on the big chase scene at the end. Um, and and so no real reason to go back into it again. Uh, it was one know. real quick reason. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you catch the Ralph McQuarrie painting in the chase scene? Was that the one he ran the, into the and hut? crashed? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I I did notice the painting. I did not notice it was a Ralph McQuarrie. Have I you also like seen... the. Sorry. Go ahead. Go Sorry, ahead. Uh, I was going to say I, at the end uh, we got uh, live action Melu runs from Rebels. I also really like that. I'm yes. I'm really a big fan of seeing anything that started in animation being translated into live action. I yep, my first saw it. I made Lou runs. Yeah, thought it was great. D Doc, go ahead. Uh, have you ever seen Wayne's World Two? When there's guys in Wayne's World Two where they're just like, we're just constantly crossing the road with watermelons. They cover they cross the road with that piece of plate glass every five minutes, and you know he's got the box of chickens over there, and they're like. That seems interesting. We'll see if that pans out later. And then next thing you know, the car comes through and it hits the glass and the watermelons and the chickens and everything. It, that, it reminded me of that with the with the painting. I didn't realize it was a Ralph McQuarrie painting, but that's, that's why I like that. <laughs> that's why I like that chase, though. There's so much going on around. I love that they brought in the droid from Attack of the Clones too. The the chariot droid that drives Anakin yes. and Padme. And and they brought in from the pod racing scene where uh, Drash goes up the side, comes down and jumps back down onto the major domo. I mean, I, right there, I was like, wait, that's Anakin in the pod race right there. So y- there's a lot in that chase that people are, you know, yes, they're ripping on it, but 
you, when you pack that much into that little scene right there, there was a lot going on. So uh, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm perfectly fine with it. So um, I thought I would read some of the comments that we got today from people. Um, Willie Harms on Twitter, thoughts on Boba Fett. I have a feeling the pikes are behind everything, sending the assassins, backing the mayor, killing the Tuscans. Going to be a huge battle with them, I feel. Also, I love the callback to the Mandalorian and Moss Eisley with the helmets and Pelimoto. Also, just thought of this. Did we see the female Tuscan with the dreadlocks dead? Do we think the story of the Tuscans is over? It can't be, right? Um, Willie, we talked about that a little bit already. Um, I think everybody here feels like it's a clean slate. Boom, it's over on that. Um, and I'm not sure that we think if we know the Tuscans or the Pikes are really calling the shots or if there's somebody bigger and better like the crimson dawn calling that so do anything else of willies that i miss there do you guys have an answer for for willie we I don't want, want there to be someone bigger <laughs> we want somebody okay yeah uh, i'm i'm not usually one to give credence to a lot of oh this character is going to show up oh this character is going to be there um i i really was not expecting kira to show up in this show even though a lot of people have hoped for that. Um, but when we're kind of getting these feelings of, of power vacuums and not really knowing where that power is coalescing, I definitely think that Crimson Dawn is going to be a part of this story. And if that's the case, I definitely could expect to see her. Okay. I, I'm hoping. I think she'd be a good character. She wants to be back into Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Amelia Clark wants to. She she likes the character. Anybody who writes down their own ideas and stories that they want to put into Star Wars, I want those kind of people in there. Just yeah. like Ming Na Wen, she wants to be there, right? Um, so this is from the Dave M. Jones, who hosted with us a few weeks back. Book of Boba Fett has been a great show. The music, the landscape, it has been a joy to watch these past three weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out over the next several. Will Boba go to war with the Pikes, the Huts? Um, will Crimson Dawn make an appearance? Will Han make an appearance? All these possibilities have me excited. I think we talked about all those things except for Han Solo. Um, I think, well, we we talked about it. Jessica, talking about possible carrier, char characters, do you feel like the, a de-aged Harrison Ford could show up sometime by the end of Episode seven of Boba Fett. I would really hope that they don't do the de-aging stuff. I thought it worked well in Mando, but we have a young Han Solo now. And if you're going to spend the time and money on him, then just let him do it. I, I like that. Okay. I would have no problem with that. Um, the guys, you know, the guys played him in a movie. Why not let him go? Um, Darth Hound, Darth underscore Hound on Twitter. I think episode six of Book of Boba Fett will be the very big one, judging by who co-wrote it in Dave Filoni. John has sole writing credits on every other episode. I'm expecting cool crossovers during that episode. Are we expecting cool crossovers on the episode that Dave Filoni is going to be running episode six? I'm surprised that Din Djarin isn't in the show yet. I, okay. I'm fairly certain we're going to see him. And so considering he's not in it yet, I'm kind of expecting that maybe in, season, in episode six. I know that other people are 
predicting Cad Bane, other big bounty hunters. I'm not really sure if if that's coming, but I, I expect some cameos. I see a lot of people thinking that the the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back will be back in it because they're yeah. either masks or robots or and it doesn't have to be a certain person or a certain age or anything. Bosk, IG-88, uh, Forlom, Zuckus, all that kind of stuff. So Cad Bane would not bother me. I'd be more than happy with Cad Bane. Um, okay, this is from Brent Dykeman, our co-host. And D-Doc, you, you, you and Alfie have seen this. Is there a sinister side to the gift of the Rancor? Um, I, originally, that's what I thought. The Huts were like, hey, we're giving you this Rancor. And oh, by the way, as soon as your back's turned, Danny Trejo is going to let it go off and try to get you or something like that. Do we think there's anything sinister? I'm hoping now that they've gone through the whole scenes that there's not. But initially, when I first saw it come up, I thought there might be. Go ahead, Alfie. I think there's a small element of it being sinister because there's always the chance that it could eat you. You know, but then again, I think it really was a legitimate show of trying to make peace and we're out of here for the time being. We'll give you a gift. Good luck with your little war. We'll come back and pick up the pieces when it's all settled. I'm not really sure if I think that it's malicious or not. I kind of was expecting that there would be a bit of a a subversion at the end but then like he boba starts to leave the scene and then danny trejo just kind of turns to the rancor who's kind of like where's he going and he's like he'll be back and like if that, that's the moment where i would have expected to see something a little bit underhanded if there was something coming but the one thing that i do wonder is has this rancor truly imprinted on boba or has this rancor already had his blinders off and he's already imprinted on the rancor keeper who's going to be able to control him. Good call on that. Good call. Um, Brent also wants to know, will the Wookiee make another appearance? I think we all agreed. We think the Wookiee will. Um, (laughs) How the hell does Boba get his ship back? I is ship still at Jabba's palace from when return of the Jedi, when he left it there shows it in the trailer. And okay. he's in um, the black robes. In, in the trailer, is it present day or is it? Well, he's in the Tuscan robes with no armor. So I would Tuscan think it would robes. be in the in the flashbacks. There's one okay. shot that shows him in Finnick around some rocks looking down into like a pit. You're right. And you can see the hangar underneath the palace. And then there's a second shot inside. And he has the just the black robes with the gaffy stick on his back. Because they show up with it in season two at the right. place where Grogu's trying to reach out to other Jedi. Right. We see, we yeah, see so that in, ship in the, flying in. Yeah. So in the in the present day, he's already got it. So the question right. is when yeah. and how. Yeah. Which makes sense if he's, you know, I w- we saw him, you know, watching um, Cobb Vanth. At that point, he already would have rescued Fennec. But mm-hmm. I'd be hard pressed to believe that they would still be on that planet if they if they had access to his ship at that time. Maybe I'm maybe 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 not. But yeah, I, I expect that we'll probably see. 
you know what? I mean, we're, we're going to see it. We're, we're going to see the ship because Tamara Morrison has already said that he, he says things like, let, you know, get to the fire spray in the show. So <laughs> right. we're going to see it. Okay. Um, that, that was it. Did you guys have any other on Twitter, come over questions or anything like that to you guys? DDoc, go ahead. I had, I, I had quote tweeted you. So I got to read one that I thought was funny from, from one of my guides on Twitter, uh, YT. He said, bro, he's taken him. He's taken the Gamorrean to the back, the tank. Are we going to see a Gamorrean flashback where he's just a little green piggy? <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that one. Um, that was definitely one I enjoyed. And then Damon Kenobi shared the clip of uh, George and Seinfeld running away from the old people in the, scooter comparing that to the chase scene. Oh, <laughs> so that <laughs> that's bad i know honestly you guys have i've convinced myself throughout this episode that i actually like that scene i was critical watching it and you know i blame myself for seeing people say there's something i'm critical of in that scene beginning and me seeing it but i do love the idea of a gamorian uh, flashback of him just as a little piggy i do like right. that <laughs> he could be playing with grogu right there two little green guys um okay so we've kind of gone through the whole show if there's things that we've missed or i didn't bring up hit them now if there's other topics you want to hit uh floor is open before we before we close it down for the night anything else that we didn't hit jessica points at you think hey joe's running this show but he didn't hit this this and this um floor's open you guys run it i, I will sit and listen and, and learn but uh any topics you guys want to hit whether it's Book of Boba Fett or something else before we close things up. Everybody's giving me blank stares tonight. They don't tell me. I do have a, I, I, I got a, I got a comment from um, the Dave M. Jones as well um, about Mando and Bo-Katan. Oh yeah. So I forgot if, about that one. Yes. If anybody ahead. has any thoughts on Book of Boba Fett, we could finish that off. Otherwise just go go with that um so he had asked you know after a second watch of season two i'm not sure if bo katan is fighting alongside mando because it's the right thing to do or strictly to get the dark saber thoughts i just don't think that we really know yet mm -hmm. i i think that we honestly don't see them fighting alongside you know alongside together that much they're kind of brought together by circumstances and i don't know if i don't know if there's really a way to define what bo thinks about din and whether or not fighting alongside him is quote unquote right with what we know i think that she's a very practical person and a pragmatic person who's going to use the resources that she has um in front of her which means that i think that she's She's using him in the sense that they are working together for um, something that benefits her. Personally, I don't think that we've seen anything malicious from her that says that she's willing to sell him out. But I do think that that's stuff that we're going to be seeing a lot more in depth coming up. And um, she's always going to be a bit of a wild card because she's got a really big goal and that goal um is something that she's not i don't think that she's willing to let people get in the way of alfie any thoughts on that yes two things first i love those two episodes with her and din because 
you get two episodes worth of her saying what will happen when she gets the dark saber and what she believes will happen and how everyone will rally and all her plans. And it's like, okay, now he has it. Do you really still believe all that? Or did you only believe it if you had it? So are you willing to follow him since he legitimately won the dark saber? Do your beliefs pass on to him being the leader? And then two, I really hope in season three, you know, on the same note, going back to season one and everything the armorer said to Din about their beliefs. Are we going to get, you know, kind of a Game of Thrones type of story between the three of them? You know, the armorer on one side, Bo-Katan on the other, both of them vying for, you know, his allegiance to be his right-hand person but at the same point also scheming behind his back to get it for themselves. I sure hope not. I really <laughs> don't want Bo to be a Daenerys figure. <laughs> I'm really hoping that Favreau and Filoni have watched Game of Thrones season eight and know that have that was bad. Just the good seasons. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, like I said, like, I think that she's definitely a wild card. I could see her going either way. I could see her. I would hope, I just hope that they don't make her a villain. I think that they definitely could make her an antagonist, which is different. But I also think that like, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, she's so stuck up. Oh, she's, you know, she's not willing to do things other people's way. And it's like, okay, but you also have to know that the person who holds the dark saber right now is somebody who knows absolutely zero about his own history and culture, except for what his cult taught him. So this is something that Bo has been fighting for, for literally decades. I think she's allowed to be a little bit cranky if, if things are being subverted by this metalhead who has the dark saber now i don't know where she's going I, I i hope that whether or not the story ends with her on the throne or her being din's right hand man or, or something else entirely i hope that it makes sense and i hope that she has, she's got some good character exploration and development but i just don't think that we know enough right now the funny thing is is I, I keep mentioning Brent in every episode, but Brent has taught me one thing, and that is I used to get myself with way too many expectations. I love Star Wars. I already know that. I'm going to jump into every series and show and movie that they throw my way, and I'm going to go into it and say, all right, let's 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 see what this is all about. And you're exactly right. I don't, I don't know enough yet. I've had theories. Oh, my gosh, she's going to turn on him or... He's going to, she's going to partner. She's going to go get Gideon out of prison and say, okay, you were one of the only ones who could, you know, get under him and get to him. And uh, there are all kinds of things, but I'm willing to just relax, sit back and see what happens because I think they're great characters. I think there's tons of good storylines ahead of us. Um, as rural farm boy would say, just, just give me a good story, right? Just, just give me a good story. And uh, so I'm, I'm willing to take it in because the people they've chosen to play these roles are fabulous. The stories we've got going on are great. So I'll sit back and wait for season three, but I wouldn't be able to even guess if she's going to backstab him or form some other plan. But D-Doc, any thoughts on, 
on Bo-Katan and honestly uh with with just hearing the the kind of vision that jessica has for it almost just made me think of um i just finished the witcher season two i don't know if you guys have watched that but I, it just reminds me of yennefer from the, uh, the witcher because she's kind of like she's not bad she's just kind of stuck in her way and yeah i won't go too long on it but it just kind of reminded me of that and i will say I saw a Bo-Katan Black Series by itself on the peg at Walmart this week, and I didn't buy it because I haven't bought anything Star Wars since Christmas. And I held it and looked at it, and I said, I want this, but I need to control myself. So I will say that. I had some self-control this week. Good for you. Your wife will be very happy that you did that. Um, I don't have anything else except, guys, What what's the announcement? Where, where are we going in April and May? We're going to what? Nashville? What's the name? Yeah, of it? who's got the name? I, I gotta, I gotta bring it up here. Uh, Jessica, I, gotta, I don't know where uh, you are, and I'm not going to ask you because I don't want to get too much where people and all the internet knows where you live. But I live you, near Chicago. I'm not, okay. I, I'm, I'm not in any danger. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, it's the ICCC. Yes, ICCC National April 29th through May 1st. Um, and we're going to be down there and it's a, it's a, uh, collectible show and a convention and Ian McDermott is going to be the lead person in the show. So we're really excited to possibly, uh, see if we can cross paths with the emperor, Senator Palpatine. Um, so if anybody wants to make that trip, let us know, cause we'll, we'll be down there. We'd love to meet you. We're going to try to get a booth and hopefully have some merchandise with the rule of the galaxy logos all over it. I'm working on it. Alfie's working on it. Um, so yeah, that's in the plans for the future. And, uh, I think Alfie in June, we're looking to maybe go to Chicago with, um, Scarif, Scarif, Con, uh, <coughs> Scarif Con. Is that correct? I think so. Okay. So we're, mm. you know, we're becoming mobile. To... What's that? That might be fun. <laughs> that might be something I'll be able to get to. Okay. Well, so maybe in June, we'll meet up for a day up in the, in the Chicago area and, and do ScarifCon. But that's our plans. That's what we're trying to do right now. We'll have more updates to everybody soon. Alfie, any closing thoughts? Um, I really like this series. I like the contrast in style, in the storytelling versus Mando. I'm not saying anything bad about Mando. I love that show too. I just like, I really like the slow burn of this show. And we keep saying it, we're, you know, we're beating a dead horse here, but it's like the Godfather. It's slowly building up to that. Today, we settle all family business. And when we get there, I think it's going to be something like we haven't seen before. Okay. Godfather in Star Wars. D-Doc, how about you? Yeah, the Basically similar to what Alfie said. I mean, I'm really enjoying this show. I love the vibes of it. I especially love the music and the theme of it. It just, the uh, intro to it always just jacks me up. When they do their little intro scene, throw Book of Boba Fett on, it's like, let's go. So yeah, like I had a nitpick or two about this episode. It's I don't take it too seriously at all. Honestly, I'm kind of convinced that I don't have any nitpicks anymore after talking to you guys. So <laughs> Yeah. And another thing, it was awesome talking to you, Jessica. I followed you on Twitter for a while. I learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from you tonight. Honestly, I think you should be writing for Star Wars, honestly, because you know your stuff. So it was cool to talk to you. That's the dream. Hey, you know what? Let's, <laughs> you let's should get, be. 
let's get uh, her and uh, Adam Bray together since Adam's had his background in writing. Let's let's get Star Wars Seriously. and Disney to, to hire these two and have them do some more writing for them. So um, Jessica, as, as D-Doc said, we, we learn something from you every time you come on the show. I think one of the reasons our shows are popular when you're on is because you do bring great aspects and great points to the show. So thank you. Um, and any closing thoughts or, or ways people can reach out to you on, on social media? Uh, yeah, I guess right now, uh, the best way to get in contact with me is still on Twitter at dark saber light. Um, as I mentioned, um, on Twitter today, you know, I'm hoping to get my podcast back up and running after I uh, get some technical issues sorted out and uh, find the time, get, get, you know, got to put that back into my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to sit around talking for an hour and a half. It's, it's a lot uh, more work to edit and get everything ready. So, um, but that's something that I hope to be able to do as well. I'm just Good. having a lot of fun. I'm be, I, I'm just finding it so much fun to be able to um, react to new Star Wars. There's always stuff that we can be critical about. There's always stuff that I'm going to disagree with. But um, you know, if the, you know, if, if the if the tagline is "Let Star Wars be fun <laughs> and tragic," <laughs> you know, okay. I think that that's that's Star Wars, and and um, I think that we could all do with a, a good dose of positivity as we're enjoying all this new stuff while also being critical about things that we can be critical about. You got it. You got it. Well, you are one of our favorite guests to have on. Thank you so very much. You make the show better every time you're here. Alfie and D-Doc, you two are just some of the rocks of the show that keep this thing going. When I retire, I'm handing the whole thing over to you guys and I'm going to sit back and listen. So um, thank you for all the work you guys do for some of our other co-hosts who couldn't be here Guys, take care of your business, do all your things, and, and we look forward to having you all back on soon. To our listeners and followers, um, thanks for always giving us a listen. Thanks for, you know, interacting with us on on uh, Twitter. And uh, we just appreciate you more than you know. And we'll have more details as we learn about the things we're going to be doing in either April, May, or June. And we love to meet all of you face-to-face -face and, and things like that. So uh, for Joe, for the Rule of the Galaxy crew, for, for Jessica, uh, thank you. Uh, again, follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter, Rule the Galaxy SW at gmail.com, just Rule the Galaxy on Facebook and YouTube. And until next week, may the force be with you. <laughs>